Becoming a member at Navy Federal Credit Union could help you to earn more and save more. Their certificate options could earn you more than standard savings accounts with competitive rates. Not all financial institutions offer you as many choices for savings options as Navy Federal does. For example, you can start your savings journey with a low minimum deposit, add money at any time, and watch your savings grow. Thanks to flexible terms, you can use Navy Federal savings options for all kinds of goals, short or long term. Navy Federal also offers equity loan options to help you get the funds you need to consolidate high-interest debt, work on home improvements, or cover any of life's big expenses. To learn more, visit NavyFederal.org. At Navy Federal, their members are the mission. Navy Federal is insured by NCUA, equal housing lender, membership required. Terms and conditions apply, loan subject to approval. In recent weeks, we've really focused on some ways that listeners can boost their income. Uh, so whether that's through starting your own side business and growing your network like Hala talked about, or when we talked with local realtor Alan about diving into investing in real estate, well, what better way to test the waters? While you are away, your home could also earn extra income. That's right. Your empty space could be an Airbnb while you're traveling, because that's all you need to become an Airbnb host. It's a lot easier than you think, and you don't need to Airbnb your entire house. You could just host your extra spare room. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host. What's up? This is your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Supercharge your work decks with AI-powered Canva presentations. All you do is start with a prompt. You describe your, your presentation in a few words, and Canva presentations will generate captivating slides that you can then customize in seconds. Canva presentations are designed for every workplace and every department. Whether you work in sales, marketing, HR, ops, and more, Canva presentations can generate any deck you want for work. Sales decks, marketing presentations, onboarding plans, you name it. Any department can save time on any presentation with AI. Generate slides and seconds with Canva presentations at canva.com. Designed for work. Welcome to How to Money. I'm Joel. And I am Matt. And today we're discussing Squid Game Money Lessons. That's right, we are going to talk about Squid Game during this episode, throughout this entire episode, uh, but the first thing that we want to make sure that you know is that we will not give any spoilers uh, throughout this episode. I personally have only watched uh, the first three episodes, and so I actually, personally, I am unable to reveal any spoilers. <laughs> Joel, on the other hand, <laughs> is uh, who I'm going to have to keep my, my an eye on during this episode. So, so not only would I have tens of thousands of people virtually angry with me, but I would also have <laughs> one person who's in the room with me very angry. <laughs> yes. So we, uh, yeah, we will avoid any of those spoilers yeah, well, while we're trying to our best to sure. kind of say, hey, there's a whole lot of money lessons to be gleaned from the show. But just a warning, I, I do want to say that uh, we are going to talk about the show. And so if you don't want to know about what the show is about at all then you know maybe it is worth it for you to hit pause save this one for later uh maybe until you've 
watch any of the episodes or maybe you're halfway through and you want to finish it come back after episode one at least then sure yeah because we will we will have to cover at least some of that we're talking through mostly episode one to be honest but really we're not giving much more away than what you had seen in like the trailer for the show things like that oh and also i wanted to mention that you do not have to be a squid game fan in order to listen to this episode and learn something valuable from it when it comes to your personal finance it certainly helps because some of the illustrations we're going to give uh, are connected to the show but if you're one of the few folks uh, who haven't yet seen anything about squid game we just wanted you to know that it is not a prerequisite that being said uh i've watched the whole thing and i think it's a great show and i i recommend it if if you're okay with violence uh it does that is true yeah copious amounts of violence quentin tarantino style violence because it's not like which i will say i sometimes get a little squeamish at to me I, i still really enjoy the show i'm not super into violent movies or television shows but this one i thought was still worth watching yeah we don't enjoy it for the gore but it is a big part of the show but aside from that the show is so so good i'm sure you're ready to watch the next six <laughs> oh episodes. I, I really am like i'm really i'm so ready to dive into episode four <laughs> all right well b- before we get to the topic at hand let's talk matt real quickly i wanted to mention i recently had to figure out what i was going to do with health insurance because uh, as everybody knows i think most out of money listeners know i left my day job earlier this year and i because of just really good luck and fortune i was on my previous employer's health care through cobra and, and then the federal government made those cobra health care plans free for a few months which i was like oh my gosh that was just you know uh, money falling out of the sky there that i yep. did not expect but now that is over that's done with and so i had to kind of take a look around and i looked at healthcare.gov trying to see okay what, what would a healthcare plan uh, here cost my family it turns out not a whole lot of money i mean well it depends on how you define a whole lot of money <laughs> it was a lot of money but it wasn't as bad as maybe i thought it might have been sure but yeah you know, i know you had had a great experience with metashare you you even wrote that's right an article about it on our website years ago which you recently updated a uh, health sharing plan yeah and so i looked into metashare too and it turns out that's where my family and i went we decided that nice. that was the best rate with the best coverage and it's important to note that these health sharing ministries these health sharing companies um, some of which are completely christian based some are based around other religions some are very loosely or not at all based around anything to do with with faith but metashare for us seemed like it had just the best uh the lowest premium amount with kind of the best history and coverage options uh so that's that's where we went and now we've joined you and your family on on that metashare bandwagon that's right paying something like 250 a month yeah uh, which is incredibly affordable for a family our size and honestly too just at the ages that kate and i are at that you and emily are at uh it's just uh, an incredibly affordable way to make sure that we are covered when it comes to our health care but again and i've you know wrote about this but there are a few things about health sharing that not everybody is going to be on board with you kind of have to weigh those pros and the cons and decide what's best for you but we'll make sure to link to that article within our show notes yeah and, and some like i said they all have like different requirements and it's worth looking into the different health sharing companies to see which one might fit best for your fam but yeah. we'll, we'll link to an article that explains the way a few different ones work that i think is a really helpful explainer and then we'll also link to matt's article about metashare in the show notes but just want to let people know 
that's where I'm at now. And uh, for our family, it's definitely going to be a big money saver. On, on, on the other side of the boat, though, Matt, we do have to have more money set aside in our savings. Yes, because, you do. Yeah, we're, we're basically covering full freight all of our healthcare costs up until the first $12,000 a year, which is, which is a lot. That's what we're on. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's how you save the most money. Yeah, self-insuring uh, to a large every extent. Every single month, exactly. Uh, all right, let's go ahead and mention the beer that you and I are enjoying on this episode. You picked these up, and I'm actually surprised, and we'll talk about why at the end of the episode when we share our thoughts on these beers, uh, but we are enjoying Alpha Abstraction, which is a double IPA by Wild Leap Craft Beer. But enough of that for now. Let's go ahead and get to the episode. Let's let's do it. Let's start talking about Squid Game and the money lessons that you can learn from watching that show. And I was surprised because I've been hearing the buzz about about this show, and I was like, well, I totally want to check it out. I love dystopian style content, and yeah, it turns out this has really been a breakout show for Netflix. They recently announced that Squid Game is worth more than $900 million to their company, which I thought was really impressive. Insane. (laughs) And uh, apparently this series actually, uh, it costs Netflix less than one Dave Chappelle stand-up special. Seriously? Yeah. I find that hard to believe. That's like, crazy. They paid Dave like twenty four million, and they paid oh, like gosh. and the, to get Squid Game was like twenty one million. So oh my gosh. obviously they have uh, gotten their investment back and more at this point in time. Wow. Two thirds of all Netflix subscribers have actually watched Squid Game at this point too. And so yeah, while, while Netflix doesn't release all of the streaming details for shows and movies that they create or partner with, it gives you a sense of just how big, how gargantuan this show has been around the world since it was released in mid September. And like I said, I personally really love the show love dystopian stuff but we're going to try and extrapolate some lessons that were just easily discernible i I remember thinking this matt in episode one like oh my gosh i feel like we have to talk about squid game on the show now there's just so much stuff in here that relates to personal finance again we're going to try to not dive too deep into the plot lines uh, if you haven't seen it yet but if you're a money nerd and you're paying close attention while watching the show you'll notice that there were some really impactful money lessons that are worth discussing that's what matt and i are going to do today Exactly. And again, most of the lessons we are going to discuss are mostly from episode one. So rest assured that we're not going to spoil the entire series for you. But who knew that you'd be able to learn all the things that you should and shouldn't do from watching a Korean drama? Well, specifically, actually, the things that you shouldn't be doing with your money. But as we are recording this right now, Squid Game was the number one show in 94 different countries. Uh, it's been, yeah, like Joel, like you said, it's been Netflix's biggest hit ever by a long shot. But even still, we felt like it was lacking a little bit. Let's be honest. You know, the, the only thing missing from Squid Game is two nerdy money dudes <laughs> digging deep to get money lessons out of it. I'm sure Netflix uh, is reaching out to us oh, as yeah, we speak. Oh, yeah. We've got our, we're about to ink our own deal. <laughs> <laughs> and who knows? This might be something something that uh, we do on a regular basis it kind of depends on you know what the next streaming hit is but it also depends too on how much is money a part of the plot line uh, but for squid game in particular we felt that there are just too many uh, money red flags just popping up while we were watching this to not create an episode about it so let's go ahead and dive in let's do it okay so the first money lesson occurs really within the first few seconds yeah. of the first episode, <laughs> like right? Immediately. <laughs> and yes. and it, it, it stuck out in my mind like so many of these do. do and uh, it's the maxim, spend money while you've got it. This mentality is pervasive in Squid Game, but specifically with the main character, Song Gi-Han. And, and I apologize in advance for no, pronunciation I th- issues. I think that's correct, okay, actually. Right. Oh, by the way, did you wa- when you watched it, we never talked about this. Did you watch it with uh, English subtitles or did you watch the English version? Oh, no, with a, with English subtitles for sure. Okay, got yeah. it. Um, I heard that actually, make sure you have it on English subtitles and not the uh, closed caption. 
English, which is evidently a very poor translation. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. No, I I actually love foreign films, and I and so I'm I'm used to watching things with subtitles. My yeah. wife is like, nah, I'm, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> and so I watched Squid Game alone. Uh, Dude, but, I would even turn subtitles on with uh, Ted Lasso sometimes. Well, <laughs> <laughs> because let's the, be honest, that that Midwestern accent was hard to understand. Not, yeah, obviously, the, <laughs> at times, obviously Roy Kent's uh, accent. But there were times when I I literally couldn't figure out what he was saying. Some of the blokes in the bar, I was like, I had no yeah. idea what they were saying. <laughs> that's, that's true. That's true. But yeah, in and like we said, the main character Songi Hun. In fact, he he actually literally says something along these lines that spend money while you've got it during mm-hmm. the first scene of the show. Yeah. Basically, he says, "What's the point of saving money when he's never able to get ahead?" And so instead of that, let's just enjoy enjoy the money now. Live life to the fullest <laughs> while you have that money, that, that short-lived period of time. And of course, this is a huge character flaw with the main character that you're presented with at the very outset of the show. But this is also just a massive problem when it comes to how so many people handle their finances today. There's this you know, YOLO, you only live once element when it comes to that money approach. And it's bound to, as it does in, in this show, lead to some really awful consequences in the end. Yeah, it certainly aligns with the line that we all know from the philosopher Dave Matthews. Eat, <laughs> eat drink, and be merry, <laughs> for tomorrow we die. Did you ever listen to Dave uh, back really. in the day? I totally was was into him. Were you? Okay. Oh, yeah. Uh, but, you know, I, I love, though, that this was the first lesson that we, we get introduced to in the show, because it's often the first challenge that we encounter as individuals when we're faced with uh, an issue with like limited resources or, or limited money, right? Like I remember specifically as a kid, my grandma buying my cousin and I both a pack of gum at the grocery store. Like we each got to pick out which flavor we wanted. Uh, and no joke, I'm pretty sure <laughs> that I chewed through my entire pack that afternoon <laughs> while my cousin Adam had his for the rest of the weekend. Uh, <laughs> and so like I bring that up because we can all think back to purchases maybe that we made as kids or maybe while we were in college, even as adults, to be honest, that we regret, right? In the moment, it seemed like it was the right choice for us to make. But when we're driven by our immediate appetites uh, and we don't give much or any thought at all to the consequences, we're bound to be disappointed. Okay, I always point back to my Sega Dreamcast purchase. <laughs> <laughs> and it was, a, it was a fine system. I bought it used from a friend and I was like, sweet, I'm getting a deal getting all the games at once because buying each game was too expensive. I, I, I couldn't afford it. Get and you that package deal. I got the package deal, but what I really wanted and what I really should have done was saved up for the newer gaming system that all my other friends <laughs> were playing and I cheaped out. And that is... I will say, a consistent character flaw with me (laughs) that I've been working to remedy for a long time. Thus, frugal or cheap. Right, exactly. There you go. But yeah, another aspect of the first scene is the fact that there is an unhealthy parent-child relationship. And this uh, we, we see starkly at the very beginning. And it definitely plays out poorly, not just in how the son and the mom interact, but when it comes to how they talk about money. It's obvious, again, that the main character, Song, he, he lives with his mom and he depends on her for a roof over his head, for money and for food. And But at the same time, he's a very grown man. And his over-reliance on his mom to bring home the bacon on his behalf has actually created some real animosity between the two of them. And so needless to say, it's easy for poor money habits to create unhealthy ways of interacting with the people that you're closest to. We see this clearly uh, in the first few minutes of this show. And it's one of those things that for our listeners, we, we want to make sure you're aware of because it's really easy to let unhealthy money habits actually hurt the relationships of the people that you're closest to. 
Yeah, and actually, we just read uh, Wes Moss's book in preparation for his interview next week on money and happiness. So you can actually keep an eye out for that episode coming up on Monday. Uh, but in his research, he found that the happiest retirees live near their kids, not with them. And so if you live near your adult kids, you're likely going to be five times happier as a retiree. And he found sharp declines in happiness during situations where the kids actually had to move back home and were at least somewhat dependent on their parents. And then, you know, just like we talked with Liz Frazier last week, it's so incredibly important to work towards raising children who are financially savvy and, you know, can set out on their own. Uh, We're just not going to be doing anyone any favors by coddling our kids. uh, And as children, ourselves, we didn't make sure that we're being self-sufficient too and not being over-reliant on our parents. Not only does that keep us from our full potential, but it's going to decrease uh, their abilities to get ahead uh, and be happy as well. Yes, yes, Matt. But this is really just kind of the the tip of the iceberg when it comes to the money lessons that we can glean from the hit show, the wonderful show (laughs) that is Squid Game. And we have a lot more thoughts that we want to share. We'll get to those right after this break. You probably think it's too soon to join AARP, right? Well, let's take a minute to talk about it. Where do you see yourself in 15 years? More specifically, your career, your health, your social life. What are you doing now to help you to get there? Well, there are tons of ways for you to start preparing today for your future with AARP. What about that dream job you've dreamt about? Sign up for AARP reskilling courses to help make it a reality. How about that active lifestyle you've only spoken about from the couch? AARP has health tips and wellness tools to keep you moving for years to come. But none of these experiences are without making friends along the way. Connect with your community through AARP volunteer events. So it's safe to say it's never too soon to join AARP. They're here to help your money, your health and happiness live as long as you do. That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Learn more at aarp.org slash wise friend. I'm guessing that a lot of listeners are starting to solidify their summer travel plans. We always like to get the families together, Matt, for a week at the beach every single summer. We've already got that trip to St. Simon's on the calendar. Pumped for that. But sometimes those vacations get expensive. So what better way to offset some of those costs than to have your home earning some money while you're away? That's right. Why let it sit empty when it could be earning extra income? It's the financially smart thing to do. So think it through. Maybe you've got some extra space in your home, or maybe you have an entire house to host. Or maybe you're just going on vacation and your home is sitting empty. In every case, you can Airbnb it. You already have the space, so it won't be a huge adjustment. I mean, the way I see it, if you're not using your space, you have two options. You can let it just sit there empty, or you do some optimizing and make some money off it. Really, if you think about it, you already have an Airbnb. You just need to start using it. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host. Spring cleaning is kind of an annual rite of passage. We've all got to do it, minimize the junk that we have in our house. Emily and I, we just cleaned our closets out. It took hours, but it was so worth it. Now we've only got stuff in there that we love, and it's easier to find everything too. And so, you know, while cleaning your closets is helpful, well, there's something else you can do for your family this spring. Shopping for life insurance with Policy Genius, for example, is a really important part of your financial planning for the year. That's right. Yeah. And here is the thing that's important to remember because you might be thinking you don't need to check out Policy Genius because you've got a policy through work. But even if you have a life insurance policy through your job, it may not offer you enough protection for your family's needs 
and it may not follow you if you leave your job. With Policy Genius, you can find life insurance policies that start at just $292 per year for $1 million of coverage. Some options offer same day approval and avoid unnecessary medical exams. Policy Genius works for you, not the insurance companies, and that means they don't have an incentive to recommend one insurer over another, so you can trust their guidance. Save time and money and provide your family with a financial safety net using Policy Genius. Head to policygenius.com to get your free life insurance quotes and see how much you could save. That's policygenius.com. And now a word from the show's sponsors at Betterment. Do you want your money to dream big? Do you want your money to be a total self-starter? Are you annoyed that your money doesn't work hard enough? Don't worry. Betterment is here to help. Betterment is the automated investing and savings app that makes your money hustle. Their automated technology is built to help maximize returns, meaning when you invest with Betterment, your money can auto-adjust as you get closer to your goal. Rebalance if your portfolio gets too far out of line and your dividends are automatically reinvested. That can increase the potential for compound returns. In other words, your money is breaking a sweat while you can be breaking bread. You'll never picture your money the same way again. Betterment, the automated investing and savings app that makes your money hustle. Visit Betterment.com to get started. Investing involves risk. Performance is not guaranteed. All righty, we're back from the break. We're talking about the different money lessons that we can learn from Squid Game. And Joel, you mentioned that this wasn't a show that you could get Emily on board with. Uh, somehow, I was able to rope Kate in because she was there right when it, it flipped on. And the first scene was them eating and there's Korean food. And obviously, I'm well, I don't know if it's obvious. I'm half Korean uh, <laughs> and we eat a decent amount of Korean food here in our house. Uh, and so Kate was like, oh, there's, you know, there's kimchi, there's rice. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah. And that's what hooked her in. <laughs> well, that's what get, that's what allowed her to give it a chance. And of course, it's not her favorite, but we have been able to, to watch it together. But so, so Joel, like right before the break, we were talking about the, you know, the unhealthy relationships there between uh, a character and his mom. Well, you know, we're talking about songs specifically. One of the, one of the things that Song does to cement the fact that things are broken between him and his mom, he steals money from her, which is, first of all, that's bad enough, you know, on its own. But then he uses that money to satisfy his gambling fix. Yeah, just just uh, to show exactly <laughs> how rough that relationship has gotten. Oh my like, gosh! When you're stealing money from your parents, that, that there's a lot of damage done. Right yes, there. yeah, and so that's going to be our next money lesson uh, that we can learn from Squid Game, uh, and that is that gambling, well, at least doing so regularly isn't good. Uh, We actually talked about this recently because we're seeing a huge rise in online sports gambling. It seems fun and innocent to maybe drop 20 bucks on your uh, favorite team or a specific player or even a play. Can't you even bet on specific plays now? I think think it has gotten to that point. Um, But the instant access to gambling apps on our phones makes it even more engaging than ever. And the downsides, we believe, can be pretty severe. It's best to stay away altogether, in particular, if you have a hard time setting boundaries and it's not something that you struggle with in the past yeah matt and i were not teetotalers by any stretch no. i mean we, we we especially when it comes to alcohol we, we but we still believe even though we drink a beer on every episode that you should do it in extreme moderation sure. because five beers is a whole lot different than one or two beers right it affects you differently and the same thing is true with gambling exactly what you said about gambling on the reg that's that's what we're specifically taking issue with here it's the fact that it appears that the main character song he doesn't really have a job he depends on gambling to try and help support his mom and himself he's hoping that the next big win is going to come along any second just waiting for his big break (laughs) yeah and it's like well (laughs) i know it's going to come at some point i know that 
the second horse in the third race is is going to actually pull through like I thought they would. And it turns out that that is usually almost always an illusion. And yeah, there's actually reference to a job that he has, but you actually never see him in the show working. It's and, not a, it doesn't seem like it's a part of his character. Like right. he's not, you know, like just Duke, like grinding it out, working hard for a paycheck. That's just not a part of who he is. He's just always looking for that, that quick fix. The easy, big score. Yeah. And so, yeah, he's looking for the, the quick shortcut and yeah. he'd rather chance it mm-hmm. than instead of putting the effort in to earn a respectable living wage and showing up to work on time. And so, yeah, even when the time comes for him to buy someone a gift later in an episode, instead of going to the store and buying something like a normal human being, he ends up <laughs> risking all of the money that he has in chance of winning this bigger gift. So it just kind of shows how gambling has taken him over as a, a human being, really. Yeah, you know, and interestingly, there's a point in that first episode, too, where Song, he's playing this game, uh, and he's basically being trained to want to take on even more risk in the future. He gets a a small taste of a prize uh, so that he's willing to risk even uh, more down the road. And even though that pertains most directly to our gambling lesson here, there seems to be a valuable takeaway when it comes to the small ways, the different subtle ways that, or actually not so subtle ways, that companies are able to kind of get their hooks in us uh, so that we become even more beholden to either the products or the services that they sell. Like it it makes me think of like the free samples at Costco, right? Like you're walking along, you feel like you're pulling one over on them because (laughs) you're just like, oh, I'm just hopping from station to station. And they're, you know, they're standing there. They're like, oh, you like the taste of those corn chips and that salsa? There's plenty more where that came from. (laughs) Before you know it, you're walking out with like a, you know, a pallet full of chips. (laughs) I know. Yeah. You're like, little do you know, I just got a free lunch. And they're like, no, no, no. Little do you know, you just bought three bags of chips. (laughs) Yeah. Little do you know, you're never going to end your... Costco membership, and that is how they make the bulk of their money. <laughs> yeah, it's funny, Matt. Like this specific instance that you're referring to that happens in episode one, it's one of those things that it didn't really register in the same way with me as it did with you. But when you pointed it out, I was like, oh yeah, that's brilliant. He's kind of, he is being trained. He's being groomed. In a small way yeah. to, and, and that's exactly what's happening. When you're scrolling Instagram, even the first time you see an ad for a company, you gotta be like, okay, cool, whatever. But the fifth, sixth time, 12th time, you're like, what's going on here? And you just, at some point you respond to that stimulus. And so yeah. I think it's really important for us to guard the things that are entering our, our smartphones to guard the things that are entering our brain because in so many ways I feel like advertisers are trying to groom us for that big purchase too. Totally. Yeah. I mean, this is what they do, right? Advertisers and marketers, they're professionals at getting us to buy their things. I mean, it even makes me think of something as innocuous as uh, two-day free shipping. When that first came on the scene, it was like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. Like free shipping and I get it in two days. And now as we've seen that, get, you know, that window of time, that's something, well, it kind of depends now with like the shipping delays and whatnot, but we get used to certain standards and we have this, we, we almost make this unconscious decision that we can't live without this thing anymore. Yeah. Uh, and then we are willing to go through great lengths and pay high prices in order to maintain that certain level of living. And so, yeah, we, we felt that that most directly tied to the gambling lesson and, and how he was being groomed to continue to gamble. But we certainly feel like you need to keep that in mind when it comes to uh, what it is you purchase and our own consumption habits. So there's this new startup in New York City, Matt, that is doing grocery delivery and you might have thought that like Instacart was doing a great job and they had a down pat although I don't really use the grocery delivery services but this this company apparently is trying to do it in 15 minutes or less I think they're Holy called cow. Joker and apparently at least in Manhattan <laughs> they're, they're being mostly
immensely successful right now. So it's one of those things where you're right, like the window just keeps closing. What we want just continues to increase exponentially. And at some point, you got to cut it off. Yeah. Uh, it's, you know, what's next? Four minute grocery delivery? I mean, yeah, good, <laughs> good luck. And, but yeah, another lesson really that we learned from watching Squid Game was that it's important to be generous even when you don't have much money. And there's this like interesting little tidbit where a character gives away some money to somebody else. And uh, then later, he asked for that money back. Yeah, shor- <laughs> shortly thereafter. Yeah. <laughs> He goes racing back and he's like, wait a second, I gave you money and actually I didn't, uh, I, I couldn't do that. <laughs> I need, I need it back. And it's not that he didn't want to be generous. It seems like he did. But in this specific situation, something unexpected happened. And then he was like left in an awkward scenario where he needed that cash. And so, yeah, the, the, the main takeaway here is that you don't have to be rich in order to be generous. You can, and you, you really should start putting money where your priorities are right now in terms of how you give some of it away. Sometimes the most generous people are the ones who have the least amount of money to give. I've experienced that, Matt, time and time again, that sometimes the people with the most money are the stingiest and they don't Mm. give away a huge proportion of their income. And sometimes people with very little uh, to give are willing to give you anything they have. Um, And so, yeah, what, what we would say is be generous. Don't go into debt being generous, but don't neglect philanthropy altogether until you reach financial independence. I think that can be a tendency sometimes of people who who are hyper money conscious. There's something just massively important about giving money away now. And it doesn't just benefit others, but it puts money in its proper place in your life too. I think that's that's one of the biggest uh, check marks in the, in the box of deciding to give at least a portion of the money that you make away to other people and other organizations that you care about. Sure, yeah. And, you know, there's a massive difference, too, between feeling like that you're wealthy or, or that you're rich and actually being wealthy or rich, right? Uh, and in that moment, this character, he felt like he was wealthy. And so he gave out of the, you know, the abundance of that emotional high. But as we know, oftentimes our emotions can be deceptive and we might be making a decision based on something that isn't completely grounded in reality. I'm going to say all this too, because at the same time, I feel like this is tricky (laughs) because there are times when you have to trust our, you got to trust your gut, right? Like all things being equal and you have to choose between two options, which are, you know, which one are you going to go with? Those are times when someone would say, well, you got to kind of go with your gut, right? But especially when it comes to being generous, I think there are very few of us who have the problem of giving too much of our money away. Right. Yeah. It's like, hey, uh, I don't have enough money in savings because I was just so freaking generous last month. Never heard anybody say that (laughs) ever. I mean, literally ever in my life. And so that's why just creating a plan to give away, just say a percentage of your income is what we would recommend. Because guess what? It scales with your income and it removes the temptation to want to cling on to just all that is yours. Right. And so I love the idea of being able to predetermine something ahead of time when you don't necessarily have your emotions, maybe perhaps clouding your judgment uh, and then basing your actions in the future based on what you've previously decided. It's kind of like a budget. Yeah. A lot of people give in the moment because they're prodded to give and they're like, they either say, well, wait, I didn't actually have the money to do that. Or they say, well, that wasn't actually the cause I wanted to support. And we agree, like taking a step back, deciding how much you're going to give ahead of time, and then funneling that money in those directions, not just deciding in the moment uh, is the best way to go. And it's okay to give spontaneously, but you want to make sure you budgeted for that too. Yes. And so, all right, another money lesson that we learned watching Squid Game was that a lack of money doesn't equate to moral failure. And our society, Matt, as a whole, 
We glorify money. We love to talk about the richest people in the world. There's a list. Bezos is in the headlines a lot. Yeah, Bezos, (laughs) Elon Musk, and it's like, well, who's the kingpin now? And I get tired of seeing those headlines. We, we, as a society, we're pushed the glitz, the glamour, the celebrity, and money is a huge part of that. We either make the most successful among us into heroes or villains, like Amazon on its way up. It's like, look at this company. It's the big upstart. It's going to knock off Walmart. How cool is this? It's going to, it's super techie and it's going to make all of our lives easier. And now it's like world's richest man going into space. He's the worst. And Matt and Joel over there bashing prime delivery. Right. (laughs) (laughs) But, but like really when it comes down to it, I don't want to glorify or demonize Jeff Bezos, but having money. We, what we have to realize is that it doesn't make you a better or worse human being. There are certainly many characters in the show with severe moral flaws, but there are also some incredibly kind and generous characters in the show who ended up in dire financial circumstances yeah. that were had nothing to do with making poor choices. And so, yeah, what we would say is that poverty, it's not a moral failure. It truly is just a lack of money. In our society, that's not always the message that we get, but it's something that we think is incredibly true, and it's yeah worth mentioning. And actually, there is this recent paper on poverty from the National Bureau of Economic Research, and it showed that access to better jobs for folks who are living in impoverished conditions, that largely reduces poverty. And so it's important to note that there are problems on a societal level that need to be addressed. And it's important for us to ask ourselves, what kind of society do we want to live in? Now, there's no need to demonize anyone in particular in order to create meaningful fixes. But at the same time, when someone like Warren Buffett talks about paying a smaller percentage of tax than his secretary, you know, I feel like it's worth considering how it is our tax system functions. And if it's doing what we want it to, it's worth reconsidering how it is our government is currently functioning. And if it's doing a good job playing the roles that we want it to. When you zoom out, there's a lot on the societal level that we should reexamine as well. Yeah, Matt, I think if you were to take a poll, people on both sides of the aisle would say, mm, the current, current tax system, the current way things are set up, not ideal. <laughs> sure. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you wouldn't have a lack of people that have problems with the current construction of things. But one of the most important elements of the show Squid Game is debt. There's a whole lot of commentary. There's a whole lot that we can glean and talk about based on the role that debt plays in the show. And so, yeah, we've got stuff that we want to talk about on that front and more right after this. You probably think it's too soon to join AARP, right? Well, let's take a minute to talk about it. Where do you see yourself in 15 years? More specifically, your career, your health, your social life. What are you doing now to help you to get there? Well, there are tons of ways for you to start preparing today for your future with AARP. What about that dream job you've dreamt about? Sign up for AARP reskilling courses to help make it a reality. How about that active lifestyle you've only spoken about from the couch? AARP has health tips and wellness tools to keep you moving for years to come. But none of these experiences are without making friends along the way. Connect with your community through AARP volunteer events. So, it's safe to say, it's never too soon to join AARP. They're here to help your money, your health, and happiness live as long as you do. That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Learn more at aarp.org wisefriend. I'm guessing that a lot of listeners are starting to solidify their summer travel plans. We always like to get the families together, Matt, for a week yeah, at the we beach do. every single summer. We've already got that trip to St. Simon's on the calendar. Pump for that. But sometimes those vacations 
get expensive. So what better way to offset some of those costs than to have your home earning some money while you're away? That's right. Why let it sit empty when it could be earning extra income? It's the financially smart thing to do. So think it through. Maybe you've got some extra space in your home, or maybe you have an entire house to host, or maybe you're just going on vacation and your home is sitting empty. In every case, you can Airbnb it. You already have the space, so it won't be a huge adjustment. I mean, the way I see it, if you're not using your space, you have two options. You can let it just sit there empty, or you do some optimizing and make some money off it. Really, if you think about it, you already have an Airbnb. You just need to start using it. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com host. If you're listening to this podcast right now and you're a small business owner, listen up. Upswell Marketing would like to remind you that when customers choose your small business, they're actually choosing you. So focus on super serving your existing customers and let Upswell handle the pipeline generation of new leads and customers. They do everything from hyper-targeting best fit prospects through campaign optimization. Upswell Marketing's unique approach includes direct mail, search engine marketing, and social media ads, and has fueled more than 10,000 small business success stories. Upswell specializes in developing customized direct response campaigns and is now offering a no-obligation free assessment of your current marketing strategies. Not to mention, new customers also receive 15% off their first order when they mention that they heard about Upswell on this podcast. For more information, visit upswellmarketing.com. That's upswellmarketing.com. Let's say you've been listening to the podcast and now you're finally ready to start implementing some of the uh, the financial morsels that we're dishing up. Maybe you are trying to save up some more money for a down payment on a house, or maybe there's a big vacation that you have been dying to take. Well, the money app Monarch, they make it so easy to help you to reach your financial goals. That's why the Wall Street Journal, they named it the best app for growing your savings. Monarch is the top rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. Create custom budgets, track progress toward financial goals, collaborate with your partner even. And now get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash howtomoney. And you won't get spammed either. Monarch features ad-free privacy you can trust. They will never sell your data to third parties or show you ads. That's right, man. And after trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it's the top-rated personal finance app. It just makes sense. It works. And right now, listeners of this show will get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash howtomoney. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash howtomoney for your extended 30-day free trial. Go to monarchmoney.com slash howtomoney for an extended 30-day free trial. All right, we're back from the break. We're talking about Squid Game. And anybody who's already seen even a single episode of Squid Game probably can't believe that we haven't talked about debt yet because it is so fundamental and so crucial and so at the center of how the storyline even exists. So let's get to that overarching lesson that we can all learn from Squid Game, which is that debt can ruin your life. This message comes across loud and clear. Uh, and the, you know the whole reason that folks have entered this dystopian world is because of the money trouble that they're in. And anyone who has ever been in copious amounts of debt in their own life knows that at a certain point, that debt begins to cloud almost every interaction, every choice that you make. It's proven that debt even makes you dumber as well. The stats show that an influx of debt can drop your IQ by about 12 points. Owing credit card companies, owing student loans, a car payment, not having enough money to cover just even all those monthly bills, that just becomes as much of a a mental problem as it is a money one. Uh, Those stresses weigh on us. And so it's not going to guarantee 
that you'll necessarily go down the squid game path, but it's sure going to mess with your brain, and that's something that you want to make sure that you avoid. Fortunately, this is fictional, and you're right. I hope <laughs> if, I hope nobody ever goes down the actual <laughs> squid game path. But yeah, you're right, Matt. Like Debt is an enormous burden for tens of millions of Americans, and living under that weight it, it can be brutal over time. And so, yeah, one of the other things that it made me think was that where you go to get debt matters. Yep. We've, we've talked yeah. in the past about the difference between good debt and bad debt, how getting a mortgage to buy a home or taking out a small amount of student loans, both of those are okay in our book. You don't want to take on hundreds of thousands of dollars to get a philosophy degree from your state university. But yeah, in the in the show, Song, the main character in, in Squid Game, he actually gets money from loan sharks in order to fuel that gambling addiction that we spoke about earlier. He's hoping to strike it rich, right, in order to pay that loan off. And then he's like, you know what, I'll probably win enough to provide for my family at the same time. I'll just do it this once. It's going to be all good. I doubt that any How to Money listeners are visiting loan sharks. But uh, you know, where you... <laughs> hopefully not. Hopefully not. Yeah. But it, like, really, when it comes down to it, where you go to take on debt matters in a big way. Because the modern day loan sharks are actually payday lenders. They're title loan companies, which you see commercials for. They charge exorbitant rates of interest. The rent to own places, they're just as bad saying, like, come in here, get this TV for this many payments over this many years. And it turns out you pay three or four times as much for a television as you would if you were to go buy it cash at a local electronics store. And these companies prey on people who are in need. They often create much greater levels of financial distress in the end and there are so many better paths to go down including yeah seeking help from local religious organizations or nonprofits where you live patient advocates if medical debt is the problem that you're facing or borrowing money from your local credit union it's just important to note that where you go to get your debt matters a whole lot and even though we don't think you're going to go to the worst possible place there's still a sliding scale of good versus bad places to go when you are taking on debt even for a good reason sure i mean honestly even like going with a credit card <laughs> is going to be better than going to like a payday loan. And that's not something we would ever tell you to do. Like we're never going to say, hey, get a credit card and pay interest on that. We don't ever want you to do that. But compared to the rates that pay, you know, payday lenders are charging, I mean, the average interest rate is 391%. We'd annualize that and compare it to an actual credit card. And so even though those lenders aren't like physically beating you up in order to get their money back, it does feel criminal that they're able to charge that much money compared to some of the other options that are out there. And so another lesson we wanted to share from Squid Game is that debt doesn't discriminate based on your income. And okay, so let's talk. We've been talking a lot about Song, uh, the main character. There's this other main character who works in investment banking. He's made a ton of money for years, uh, and given his occupation, you would think that he would be well acquainted to maybe the surefire ways to grow his wealth over the years. <laughs> uh, but instead, he got into risky investment vehicles, he lost a lot of his money, uh, and he went into debts because he invested unwisely. Let's just say he definitely wasn't going the low-cost index fund route. Uh, <laughs> he hadn't heard of Jack Bogle, I guess. <laughs> no, doesn't. Well... Like he doesn't, he does exist in Korea, but you know, <laughs> not in this dystopian world. But there are some methods of investing that are much more like gambling than folks want to admit. Uh, and just because you're putting money in the stock market, that doesn't make you an investor per se, because methods of speculation like day trading, options trading, uh, even uh, trading in foreign currency, these are all incredibly risky. So just because you've got a great income, just because you make a lot of money, this doesn't mean that you can't fall prey to poor money choices as well. Yeah, Matt. And, and one of the things we've seen, we've seen more and more statistics of people who are earning $100,000 or more 
claiming that they're living paycheck to paycheck. Yeah. And in fact, a, a recent survey found that 60% of millennials who make more than $100,000 a year say that they wouldn't be able to pay rent next month if they lost their job tomorrow. Like that's that's how dire their actual financial position is despite their income. And yet 40% of Americans who make more than $100,000 say that they similarly are living on the financial precipice. And so a high income definitely does not ensure good decision making or that you'll be able to easily avoid money problems. I think that's the misnomer sometimes. It's like, well, if I make enough money, then financial problems go out the window. Not true. You still have to figure out and stick to the core tenets of personal finance, no matter how big your paycheck gets. You can make insane amounts of money and still not have any savings to back you up if that stops on a dime. And just look at the stats, Matt, when it comes to former NFL players, a massive percentage of, of these guys, 78% of them, uh, to be specific, end up in severe financial trouble, or they end up filing for bankruptcy within two years of their playing career being over. That is almost unfathomable yeah, for, crazy. for any of us to comprehend when, let's say, even if you only played in the league for two or three years, but you ended up making a million or two a year, it's like, that's more money than some people will see in their entire lives, and you made it in a really short period of time. And it's gone. It's gone. Yeah. Completely. And so spending less than you make, prioritizing savings, it requires discipline and the ability to say no to things that you want. Uninhibited spending and amassing debt, they don't just stop because your income grows. That's definitely one of the lessons that you can learn from Squid Game and from yeah NFL players in general or, or uh, retired NFL players at least. Yeah. And you know, lifestyle creep, that's also a big reason for these increased claims of not having enough money, even when you're making big bucks. And we actually talked about this in depth back in episode 374, lifestyle creep, uh, and just how it's, it's, I don't know, it's, it's, it's like it lurks in the back of our minds and we find it working its way into our spending habits. And this is also something that doesn't discriminate between those who earn, you know, average or below average incomes uh, versus those who earn a ton of money. Uh, this is a real issue for people on all income levels. And when you look at the stats of how everything has grown in our society, it's clear that we've all become accustomed to just bigger and better, more square footage, bigger vehicles. Uh, give me the 108 ounce drink. Sure. <laughs> Hit me with all that sugar. And the 140 inch TV too, while you're at it. <laughs> uh, and all that to say, progress. Like, like it's not all bad that things are getting better. I think there's an argument to be made that get, you know things going bigger might be a bad thing. Uh, but you know the margin of progress is mostly a good thing, but it also becomes much easier to inflate our lifestyle just in a whole slew of ways. And ultimately, it's up to us to keep our expectations in check, maybe even lowering them sometimes. When we, if, if you realize that your spending is not sustainable, right? If your income is not going to be able to keep up with your spending, that's something that you're going to have to actively you know, change on your own. Otherwise, you're going to find yourself in debt. You need to work to stop moving those goalposts as to what it is that's going to make you happy. Yeah, and the whole point of this show, Matt, is we, we really want to point people in the direction of choosing a few areas in their life where they consciously spend more money and then cutting back in almost every other area of their life so that they can enjoy the things that they love the most, put their money in the places where it's going to have the greatest ROI. Craft beer is the example for us. There are a couple other specific areas of each of our lives where we have chosen to spend more money 
in the here and now while we're saving and investing well for the future. And we think that that is a good way for you to move forward when it comes to your money. You don't have to put your budget on complete lockdown and enjoy nothing of value. <laughs> that that would be deprivation at its finest. And there's there are way too many people in the personal finance world preaching that. We completely disagree with that mindset, but you can't have it all either. And so, yeah, keeping lifestyle creep in check is is a really, really important thing for us all to do. And all right, Matt, let's let's get to the the last great lesson that we learned watching Squid Game that applies to our money. And it's that there's there's really no quick way out of the bind that we put ourselves in. In the beginning, it looks like just playing a simple game could lead to maybe the, the solving of all the money problems that the main character faces. It's, uh, it's nice to think that there's a way to quickly remedy a problem that might have taken you 5, 10, 15 years to get yourself into. Massive levels of debt, obviously, don't, don't spring up overnight. It's almost always a prolonged habit of buying things that you can't afford slowly and steadily. It is that lifestyle creep factor, really, that rears its ugly head and slowly but surely gets you into a debt problem that you can't quickly get your way out of. And in the same way that you found yourself in credit card debt one purchase at a time over many years, well, the path out of that debt is similarly slow. And so, yeah, playing the lottery really only makes things worse. It's like, oh, cool, I I need money to pay off this debt. Why don't I just take all the extra cash I've got on hand and see if I can win the big one? Well, that is the exact wrong approach. It's crucial to make a plan to get out of that debt hole and then to stick to it. And so, yeah, it's just important to note that there's no quick solution. There's no easy fix. It takes time, intentionality, and creating an actual plan to help get you to the final goal you want to reach. Yeah. And honestly, if there is an easy button that's available to you, it's probably worth being reminded of the fact that it's probably too good to be true, right? right. It's most likely going to overpromise and underdeliver, And that's something that's important for us to keep in mind. And so like you said, it's really important for us to remember too, that money d- isn't going to solve all of our problems. Uh, even if all of your debts were say going to be paid off tomorrow, you're still going to have real issues in your life, right? If you're currently in debt, uh, it's easy to think that more money is going to be the solution. Like we specifically saw that with Song in the you know back in the first episode. He gets a lot of money, but since he didn't address his underlying issues of gambling, he continued down that same path uh, and he persisted in making poor life decisions. And even if you're working really hard to legitimately earn your income, if you have spending issues, you know at the at your core. More money won't solve your problems. And so this is just a, a final reminder that money can't and it won't fix everything in your life. And it's crucial to have limits uh, when it comes to what you're willing to do for money as well. You know, specifically saying no to money, that is a superpower worth developing. We need to make sure that we're not just jumping at every possible chance there is to make more money. We, I mean, we kind of talked about this somewhat recently when we talked about just different gig jobs out there and how if you start to enter that world, you see all these different things that you could potentially do. And it's, you know, I, almost we kind of likened it to a buffet of options to you. And you're like, oh my gosh, look at all the different things that I could do to make an extra buck. Yeah. But what do you want your life to look like? Make sure that you're focusing on the things that truly matter uh, and the things that aren't necessarily going to give you an immediate fix, but instead to focus on the more long-term solutions that's going to bring about, in this case, the most financial health for you. Okay, so there it is. I'm sure other listeners who paid really close attention might have found other great takeaways when it comes to our money. 
uh, from watching Squid Game, but these were ours. <laughs> and so, yeah, debt is definitely a big part of it. Avoiding debt and just realizing that debt is one of those things that it really can haunt anybody's life, no matter where you're at in the income spectrum. And so, yeah, if you had an awesome money takeaway from Squid Game, share it with us via email. We'd love to kind of hear what you thought. Or yeah, maybe share it in the Facebook group as well. And so, Matt, let's get back to the beer we had on this episode. This was Alpha Abstraction Volume 18. <laughs> 18, right? And That's so, right. yeah, what were your thoughts on this beer? And so it's Volume 18. And I mean, back in the day, we had Volume like three or four. So this is kind of a, a series that we have followed for a while now. And so at the beginning of the episode, I said I was surprised that you picked this one up for us because this tends to be a sweeter double IPA. And normally that's not the direction that uh, you like to go in with your IPAs, right? Yeah, yeah that's true. And I was like, well, it's been a while. I probably, Change of taste I probably haven't had it since volume 11. Let's okay. give this a go. See see what it's uh, tasting like. Was it volume 10 that was the black can that we had on the show? I don't even like, remember. Maybe a year ago? I don't I, know. I remember baseball stats like <laughs> and beer cans typically pretty well, but I don't remember that. But I will say that this, uh, this beer... Honestly, it tastes really similar. It tastes exactly like what I remember from the last time I had it. And you're right, it is really sweet. It has almost like some fruity pebble notes along with just that like super, oh, super sweet hop concentrate. And I, mean, and I don't mean that in like a vicious way. Like it's not overly, it doesn't taste like cereal, but it, it does have like just those light fruity tones going yeah. on. And that's not a bad thing, but it's just not my jam. This, uh, so I, I was I wanted to give it another chance. This brewery is about an hour south of town and a lot of people really like this beer. It's just not one of my favorites. Yeah, and it's worth noting, too, that this is uh, not a double dry hopped IPA or a double hazy IPA. This is a double classic IPA, which means we poured it, poured a kind of golden, kind of golden amber color going on, and it was perfectly clear, nice and filtered for all the traditional beer drinkers out there who don't like stuff floating in their beer, <laughs> which is often the times the case that when you and I drink a beer, I mean, regardless if it's a fruited sour or an adjunct stout or a hazy IPA, a lot of times there's stuff still with you know in the beer <laughs> to give it all that flavor which i'm totally cool with which might gross some people out uh, out there but for all of the super beer nerds you know what we're talking about this one didn't have that though and so i feel like this was a nice introduction to maybe some of the bigger more flavorful beers out there i feel like it had like that sweet like you said like a sweet resin uh core to this beer I enjoyed it. I'd, I'd give it like a four and a quarter on Untapped, even though it's been, I feel like it's been a couple years maybe <laughs> since I've been on Untapped uh, and rated my beers. But Joe, that's going to be it for this episode. Listeners, you can find our show notes. Uh, any references we made during this episode, you can find up on our website at howtomoney.com. No doubt. And yeah, if you haven't watched Squid Game yet and it still sounds completely uninteresting to you, well then keep avoiding it. But if you're like, oh, now I want to go back and see if I could see all the places where money nerdery intersects with <laughs> dystopian Korean fil uh, filmmaking, then uh, check it out. And we hope that you enjoyed this episode. If you did and you're not already a subscriber, make sure you mash that subscribe button so that you do not miss any future episodes from Joel and I. Buddy, that's going to be it for this episode. Until next time. Best friends out. Best friends out. Out.
Upswell Marketing would like to remind you that when customers choose your small business, they're really choosing you. So focus on super serving your existing customers and let Upswell handle the pipeline generation of new leads and customers. Upswell specializes in developing customized direct response campaigns and is now offering a no obligation free assessment of your current marketing strategies. Not to mention new customers also receive 15% off their first order when they mention that they heard about Upswell on this podcast. For more information, visit upswellmarketing.com. That's upswellmarketing.com. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed... Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts, if you dare. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. The wait is almost over. Get ready for the 2024 NFL season as the full schedule is announced. Every rivalry, every rematch, every rookie debut. Every game revealed. The 2024 NFL schedule release presented by Verizon coming in May. Live on NFL Network, ESPN2, and streaming on NFL+. Terms and conditions apply to NFL+. Visit nfl.com slash schedule release to learn more.